Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that shocked everyone. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were true crime, history, and the paranormal me. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Hunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. The German and literal definition of doppelganger is double goer, or the more often used term double walker. In German folklore, a doppelganger is referred to as an apparition of a living person, as distinguished from a ghost. The concept of the existence of a spirit double isn't new. There is an ancient and widespread belief that there is an exact double of every living being. But how much of it is myth or superstition? and how much of it is true and has been proven scientifically. If you go on Pinterest or Instagram or even Twitter and put in the hashtag doppelganger, you'll find photo after photo of people at airports and restaurants with smiling face by smiling face of a person they just met who looks like their spitting image. Since our most recent episode with Die from Missouri State Penn, I have been obsessed with finding out more about doppelgangers. I mean, I've heard the term and I knew loosely what it meant, but I'd never been interested in more than just a simple Google search. But after talking to her, which, by the way, completely creeped me out, not only by the stories at Missouri State Penn, but her description of them being quote-unquote flat, like no real expression or feeling. It reminds me of the ghost dummies used in Halloween mazes or decorations of ghosts without features. There are writings going back to the 1600s of people seeing the double of themselves or a loved one. The common belief is that if you see your double three times, it means that impending death is headed your way. If someone else saw your double, it meant that you would become very ill. Although the stories of doppelgangers were mostly in German writings back in the 1600s, there is an American account of a doppelganger I'd never heard of. There are stories of Abraham Lincoln seeing his doppelganger in his own mirror reflection. As he stood looking at himself, a face exactly as his own appeared right next to his. When it happened a second time, he tried to show his wife Mary, but it disappeared as quickly as it appeared. Scientists have a different viewpoint of doppelgangers. It's believed to be a form of hiatoscopy, which is an hallucination in which one sees one's own body from a distance and may occur as a symptom of schizophrenia or epilepsy. And it goes on to say, autoscopic phenomena are psychic illusionary visual experiences consisting of the perception of the image of one's own body or face within space, either from an internal point of view, as in a mirror, or from an external point of view, as in an individual perceives their surrounding environment from a different perspective, from a position outside of their own body, having these distinctive characterizations, disembodiment, seeing oneself outside of one's body, or the impression of seeing the world from an elevated and distant perspective, which reminds me a lot of people who experience near-death experiences. Cases of autoscopy are commonly encountered in modern psychiatric practice, which may explain people seeing their own double, kind of like what people who meet and talk in this day and age and take pictures with their social media for their social media accounts. Those are living, breathing doubles. One I saw met her double, and they noticed that they both had very similar tattoos in the exact same place on their body, which frankly freaks me out a little bit. I'm not sure how fine it would be with meeting my double. Maybe that's a discussion for a more science-based podcast. Although I do want to mention it's actually being studied about how two people who are not related can not only have the same features, but oftentimes have the same. It certainly doesn't explain how others have seen a double of a friend or a loved one. 
Our guest this week is historian and author Brian Clune. So today we're talking to Brian Clune, author, historian, extraordinaire. How many books have you written? Uh, I have 13 that I've written. 12 are out right now. And the 13th is supposed to be coming out on the 28th. But I'm not holding my breath because it was originally supposed to come out last May, and then they keep changing the uh, release date. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it will be this month. And what is that one? It is Dark Tourism California. It's actually a little book that um, was a Barnes & Noble requisition. Um, And it it was kind of fun uh, to do. They only gave me a month to write it. Um, I managed to get it in under deadline and if it is released this month, it will be 26 months since I gave it to them. So I'm mad at them. And then what's book 14? Um, Well, actually right now I'm working on two Hollywood centric books. One of them is murder and mayhem Hollywood, which is a true crime book. Uh, And I'm also working on ghosts and legends of Hollywood. Oh, nice. That would, that would be my favorite. I would say. Yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. There's a lot in Hollywood. That is an understatement. Although I am trying to find some more obscure locations rather than uh, rehashing all of the old uh, standbys. Yeah. So that's taking a little bit more time, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. Ever since I did. Okay. So I know what doppelgangers are and I pre-recorded a little opening that I I actually sent to you, but I've heard the term. For, you know, a hundred years. I don't know. I've always heard it. But until I did the episode of Missouri State Penitentiary, Mm -hmm. I really hadn't given it that much thought. And then I became slightly obsessed with the idea of a doppelganger. Now, I have a question for you, if you don't mind. Oh, that's different. In the um, intro that you sent me, uh, you had stated that the person you had been talking to about the uh, prison was saying that there were a lot of doppelgangers at the prison. And I was really curious about that. What did she mean that there were a lot of doppelgangers there? A lot of, a lot of sightings of a doppelganger. And on more than one occasion, they had seen a guard or a security person that they knew wasn't on the property at the time. Now, that, that's really kind of interesting because that may be more of something I, I ran across uh, as far as by location rather than being um, an actual doppelganger. And that, that's why I was wondering about, you know, wh- what kind of doppelgangers they were, they were seeing, um, whether it was supposed doppelgangers of people who had passed away there or of people who were still living. So um, in some instances, I think it's been both. But the one story that I heard specifically was a security guard that still works there, that people, more than one person had seen who they thought was him. And then they find out later he either wasn't there at all or he was in a completely different area of the prison or the penitentiary. Gotcha. Now, you know, I I did, during the research, run across a lot of semi-famous cases of possible bi-location rather than uh, doppelganger activity. So when you see that, do you think that's more like of a residual thing, like someone left an imprint in that area? 
Um, that I mean, that's possible. But um, there's a couple cases where um, it was Catherine the Great of um, Russia at one point. Her guards saw her on her throne, and the doppelganger didn't respond. So the guards went to Catherine the Great, who got upset, ended up going to the uh, throne room, saw her own doppelganger there, ordered the guards to shoot at the doppelganger, uh, which you know obviously did nothing but put holes in, in her throne, um, at which point it, it just disappeared. Now, that could be a case of bilocation where uh, Catherine the Great herself, she was very, shall we say, enamored of herself right. uh, and always loved to picture herself on the throne. So she could have actually been projecting her own image onto her throne while sitting in her room thinking about herself, if that makes so, sense. Like manifesting a Exactly. Exactly. Uh, there's actually a really famous uh, case. Um, Wait, before they, you get into that, didn't Catherine the Great die of a stroke soon after? She did. She did. And that that goes to um, it being an actual doppelganger rather than bilocation. So that one has kind of aspects of both um, folklore and uh, the mythos of the doppelganger. Right. But there's there's actually um, a case that took place back in the late 1800s, mid to late 1800s, of a school teacher by the name of Emily. Um, and I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Saggy um, is what I believe it to be. It's S A G E E. And by all accounts, this woman was, I mean, just a fantastic teacher. But she had been fired from 18 different jobs, uh, teaching jobs. And, and could never figure out why. Well, when she went to her last job, uh, she, was, she was doing great. But then the students would actually see a vision of her behind her. Um, I mean, an and exact duplicate of, in other words, a doppelganger. But this doppelganger would mirror everything she was doing. Uh, you, they couldn't hear the doppelganger, but they could see by uh, the, the lip movements of the doppelganger that the doppelganger was basically mimicking everything she was saying, everything she was doing, almost as if it was um, a, a mirror image. And But then over time, it started to appear when she was out of the room. So at one point she was called out into the hallway by uh, the principal. Uh, as soon as she walked out of the room, her doppelganger appeared sitting in her chair behind her desk until she came back into the room. And over time it got, I don't know if worse is the, is the proper term, but people would start seeing her in her classroom grading papers, even though she was out in the garden uh, tending to her flowers. Um, and it finally got to be so distracting that she was called into the office and fired. So this would have been her 19th time being fired, but at least this time they actually told her why she was being fired. 
and it's it, it's not really said what she did after that, but you know that that almost to me seems more of a uh, by location rather than a doppelganger. Now she, the the strange thing about this is she, everybody else could see this doppelganger except her. She never did see it. She never knew it was there. But why do you say it's by location if it was in every job she had, like every different location? Because, and and this is my belief, of course, but because um, when it was seen, it was seen mimicking her. In other words, if if, if her uh, right hand moved, the, the doppelganger's right hand moved in the exact same way. If she sat down, the doppelganger would sit down. Uh, it would mouth the same words that she was saying at the time. So it was almost as if she unknowingly, psychically projected an image of herself to her class at the same time that she was performing the same actions. Now, with her walking out into the hallway and almost immediately her doppelganger sitting down in the chair and basically just looking at the kids, not interacting with the kids. Um, I, and as I said, this is, this is my own theory that she had projected herself there to keep an eye on the kids uh, because she had stepped out Um, when she was grading the papers the other people could see it and she was out in the garden tending to the garden and who knows maybe she was thinking i shouldn't be tending my garden i should be in grading papers uh so to me it it seems to be more by location than doppelganger activity and then i've read somewhere too that a doppelganger can take on like a poltergeist behavior I hadn't really found much in the way of poltergeist activity in relation to doppelgangers, but um, doppelgangers. So we, we know that doppelgangers um, were always known as, you know, bringing omens um, right. of, of, you know, death uh, and uh, just bad luck and things like that. But as far as uh, poltergeist activity, the, the, the closest I've heard to that would be when the doppelganger was trying to, this is going to sound weird, but trying to drive its human counterpart insane, uh, would actually go to the, its human counterpart's friends, family, pretend to be them, uh, get the person into a lot of trouble, then when the family members would come to the human counterpart, naturally the human counterpart didn't know what the heck was going on, you know, saying, look, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. The doppelganger then would go to its human counterpart and try to convince them, yes, it was you, you just don't remember. But I was there, I saw you do it. Um, thereby trying to drive the uh, its human counterpart insane to get it, committed so the doppelganger could then take over that person's life that that is the closest uh, in any of the research and granted uh, you know i haven't uh, you know delved uh, there's a lot more i don't know about uh, doppelgangers but that's the closest so far that i've come to any type of um, doppelganger uh, mischievous uh, acts by by a doppelganger yeah because there's so many stories in history 
um, about doppelgangers, I was kind of surprised. Well, yeah, and one of the things that um, I found fascinating is yeah, doppelganger, um, and you, you said it in your intro, uh, of it's a, a basically a German uh, folktale, but there are other um, people that, that believed it as well. The, the Egyptians uh, had uh, their version of a doppelganger, which is granted a bit different than what uh, an actual German doppelganger would be called a Ka or a spirit spark. Um, and they believed that it was the doppelganger that would come out of one of their uh, people and go on into the afterlife. So that was one of the reasons that uh, for mummification and everything else is they were trying to make the doppelgangers uh, transition from life to death more pleasant and give it something uh, concrete once it reached its final destination in the afterlife. Um, you have uh, the Celtic version, uh, which is a fetch, um, and it's kind of an apparition of, a, of its living counterpart, and it was a bringer of bad omens as well and usually would appear before a family member or a friend just before the person would die. Oh, and one of the weird things about the fetch, the Celtic version, if the fetch was actually seen in the mornings, it was actually a good omen that the person that it was the opposite of would have a long life. So that one sort of has two different aspects, which I found rather, uh, rather interesting. And then um, the Scottish had what is known as throws. And they were basically, we would most likely call them changelings. Um, they believed that um, the fairies would have a sick child and they would go to a human family who had just had a baby. They would switch the, their, their sick child for the healthy human child, take the human child to raise as a fairy, and the throw would then take on the shape forms, mannerisms of the human child and look exactly like it until the sickness finally took it. So we have that one. And then also the Britons had, um, I, I cannot pronounce it, the Anku. Um, and that was a little bit weird because it would look exactly like their human counterpart, but then Bringing, bringing death to their human counterpart, as soon as their human counterpart would pass away, the doppelganger or the Anku would actually become death itself, uh, replete with the uh, dark robes, the sky, the whole, the whole thing. Um, but I just found it really kind of interesting that there, a lot of other cultures had their versions of a doppelganger. Well, what is the difference between a doppelganger and a changeling? I mean, I know the whole folklore story of them switching the babies out, but in the, the grand scheme of things, what is the difference between the two? Like, isn't it kind of almost the same definition? Um, in a way, um, it all depends on if you want to classify or believe that a doppelganger is a, a fairy creature, a, you know, a, a creature of fae. Now, 
one of the things that I ran across, which could conceivably connect the changeling with the doppelganger, is there is a belief among some of the uh, Celtic uh, religions that if a changeling grew up and and didn't pass away due to its illness, that it could then come across its own doppelganger, or in this case, the human child that was stolen. Um, now, the changeling, not fully realizing that it was not the actual human child, would still be under the impression that it was, would see its own doppelganger, uh, in this case, uh, its own human version, um, and the, that's where the the connection is, is that it's it's actually both. It's the changeling seeing its human counterpart, thereby going insane or having a bad omen from the human. It's kind of it, it's kind of convoluted, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, and it's funny because if you Google, I just typed in changeling and started to type type in verses, and it um, the first thing came up was doppelganger, changeling versus doppelganger. Yeah. Is changeling is more restricted in terms of size, but can be substantially any human shaped creature, regardless of the creature type. Well, a doppelganger can only turn into humanoids. I actually, I, I didn't run across that, but that that's an interesting uh, theory. Well, it's a, definitely a clear definition, but I guess, yeah. I mean, people so um, flippantly say, oh, I met my doppelganger or I saw your doppelganger at the airport. But the sinister belief of doppelgangers in what initially was like rumored to be or folklore or whatever you want to call it, was that if someone saw your doppelganger, or you saw your doppelganger three times or more, it was an impending death. It wasn't anything else. Like people now like take pictures like, oh, this person looks so much like me or whatever. But it's actually, it was a very terrifying thing right? to see someone who looked exactly like you. But I think the thing that freaked me out most about what Dice said, because she had seen what she believed to be a doppelganger, was the flatness of their features and not physical flatness, but the fact that there was no feelings or expressions. It was the person's face that she knew it was this man's face, but there was no expression to it. It was very flat. The eyes were dead. The expression was, you know, completely neutral. And that's that. I think that's what freaks me out the most. Yeah. That, that one has always kind of um, made me wonder because it, going a little bit further, some people have actually claimed that even though a doppelganger that looked like that was 3D, it wasn't actually three-dimensional. Right. Which, like it's like a vision of that person, but it's flat. It's not really like you can't walk up and hug it. It doesn't look like a human being. Like at first glance, it looks like a human being walking there, but at closer inspection, it's very flat. It's not, it's clearly not real. Right. Now, one thing I ran across as far as that goes is, um, and I cannot remember who it was that put the theory forth, was that doppelgangers in that particular case were doppelgangers who had not fully formed and taken on 
all of the characteristics of the person that they were, this is going to sound weird, becoming. So in other words, it was basically like a newborn doppelganger. Well, like you're saying, like it was created to match someone. Like it wasn't like an instantaneous kind of thing. Like, Correct. Like they're trying to become that person. So like this, in this instance with Missouri State Penitentiary, this guard would have access to every place within inside the penitentiary. Was there a purpose of this doppelganger to become him so that he would have access to all these places and why? Like what was the, what was the, the end for him? What was the purpose for him? Well, see, and that, that's what we don't know uh, is first of all, if, it is not by location and um, some uh, otherworldly creature that is becoming a person. It's a matter of why are they becoming that person. So in the case of Abraham Lincoln, I know you mentioned him in okay. the uh, intro. He Abraham Lincoln saw his own doppelganger in the mirror. Right. But he noticed that the features were not quite right. Now, his wife knew that, you know, these were bad omens, and she was actually right because he he was killed shortly after that. But in a situation like that, you would have to wonder, well, why was this doppelganger becoming Abraham Lincoln if it knew that Abraham Lincoln was going to uh, be assassinated? Now, well, the same with any doppelganger, right? Like, if if someone else sees your doppelganger like that, like not just some, I, know, I keep using the airport, but someone at the airport that looks like you. If someone sees your a true doppelganger of you with like the flat expression, the seemingly to be three D, but not really three D. I mean, isn't that impending death anyways? Like, why are these people? Are these doppelgangers here to warn? Are they here to cause havoc or is it like some people say your actual soul already leaving your body? Well, the, I think I'd be a little careful about uh, the, the, the soul leaving the body um, because that denotes that you have basically given up your own soul and your own free will. Okay, then not soul. Then what would the word terminology be? Like spirit leaving the, your body? Like Well, to, now see, to me, it would be the same thing. Okay. Um, but everything I've read about doppelgangers, they do not have the uh, a soul, per se. Uh, they do not have the uh, same um, abilities as a human as far as... Um, <sighs> Feelings, feelings, and things like that. Thank you. But why they are here, it is is hard to hard to fathom. Um, you know, like in the case of them trying to drive a person in, insane so they get committed, um, it's so they don't have to go through the trouble of actually killing the person, but can then take over their life. Um, it's the, it's the same thing with a lot of times, uh, we find that the doppelganger will start talking to its human counterpart and give advice that at the time sounds like good advice, but it's basically leading the human counterpart to do things that could either be deadly or, 
could cause them to be thrown in prison, thereby getting rid of them. So it's almost as if the doppelgangers are there to take over a person's life, which is kind of counterproductive to the other part of the myth where it's an omen of death. So you kind of have to wonder whether there's two different aspects and possibly even two different versions of doppelgangers because both of those myths come at the same uh at the same time which is really rather confusing when you when you delve deep into you know what doppelgangers are so technically i don't know where i was going with this i guess the fact that i mean having adult having someone that looks like you is not a doppelganger that's not like a real definition of a doppelganger a doppelganger is an is a non living being. Um, it in mythology, yes. Um, in modern terminology, um, we use doppelganger now uh, almost casually to describe people who look like us. Right, right. Now, one of the things that I did find is that uh, because humans have a relatively small gene pool, it's an almost guarantee that there is somebody on this planet somewhere that looks exactly like us. Right. And that just has to do with the fact that uh, in some ways we have – uh, distant relatives that we have never met, never ha- had any inkling of that uh, would be, you know, duplicates of us, right. uh, genetic duplicates. Now, are those technically doppelgangers? Uh, no. I, no, but not as far as the mythos goes. Right. Um, now, one of the things that, um, and this kind of goes back to the, the whole flatness uh, aspect there have been a few uh, people who have stated that they believe doppelgangers are now and always have been shadow people who have decided to take on the form of a human that they found interesting or that they um, want to be able to use the, the likeness to their own ends. What that, those ends are, we don't know. Um, I thought that was a rather interesting theory, um, especially since we don't know what shadow people actually are. Um, it, in some ways, it makes a slight bit of sense. Well, it, I- makes it, it takes it up like a level of creepiness, too, because, I mean, oftentimes people see shadow people and maybe don't even realize that they're seeing shadow people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you keep seeing something out of the corner of your eye, and unless you're in a haunted location and you're looking for it, you just kind of tell yourself you're crazy. But if shadow people could somehow manifest themselves into being a doppelganger, that's freaking terrifying. Yeah. Um, And one of the things I was thinking about um, where you have a lot of folks who have seen doppelgangers who have died shortly afterwards, we have all of these stories about a doppelganger trying to get a person out of the way without killing them. I've often wondered whether that is because they don't plan on being uh, that person's double forever and are just, just need them out of the way long enough to accomplish whatever strangeness that they need to accomplish being that person, if that makes sense. 
No, the whole thing is really creepy when you really think about it. To me, like doppelgangers are up there with some of the creepiest folklore or myths there are. And I feel like with every folklore, there's some shred of truth to them. Generally speaking, yeah. Um, you know, go, going back to uh, the bilocation um, and that possibly being uh, – have something to do with doppelganger activity. Um, one of the ones that I found really rather strange was, took place in the 17th century. And some missionaries and explorers, they were some of the first to explore New Mexico, but they were also the first to explore the northern parts of New Mexico. They came across a Native American tribe who was already practicing Catholicism. And according to the natives, they were taught by a blue, a strange, mysterious blue lady. And that's a quote. So the missionaries themselves started asking the natives questions. And, and when they got back to Spain, they, they started trying to track down this mysterious blue lady. And they found a sister, Maria de Jesus de Agreda, or Agreda, um, and she actually admitted that she had been going to the, this strange land in her dreams um, and had managed to bring crosses and other religious symbols and had taught the Native Americans there uh, Catholicism. Okay, but so now she, you're bringing in another angle that people would be able to that's, – that's like out-of-body experiences. Right. She was actually tried for witchcraft. Luckily, she was um, – acquitted, shall we say, during the Inquisition. But they had classified her spirit over in the New World as a doppelganger, not as an um, out-of-body experience, but as an actual doppelganger, which is how she was um, finally acquitted of being a witch. So it's crazy, too. Are doppelgangers just us having experiences outside of our regular vessel yeah that's just it and but one of the things that um i found kind of creepy um and there are some people who believe doppelgangers are a form of vampire um, and because they do not have any reflection so if a doppelganger is standing right next to you, you cannot see it in a mirror. You cannot see it in a puddle of water. You cannot see it um, reflected on any reflective surface. Then I mean, how did there, Abraham Lincoln see it in a mirror? It wasn't a doppelganger? And see, that there's the difference, though, because the doppelganger was not standing next to Lincoln. He was actually in the mirror. So it wasn't actually a reflection of the doppelganger. It was the doppelganger itself reflecting out of the mirror, not into the mirror, if that there makes is sense. something called that, like where people practice that? What is it called? Striping? Stri what is it called? Um, yeah. Mirror? What it's, is that called? It's, it's, it's a form of divination, if I remember correctly. But, um, yeah, I, sti you know, it's funny. I just heard the word uh, a few days ago, and now it, I'm totally drawing a blank on it. But I know what you're saying. And, I mean – I guess that's possible. You can always see a doppelganger in a mirror, but you can never see them in the mirror if they are with you. Okay. That's just kind of crazy. Oh, I really want to know what that's called, though, and I can't find it. I feel like it was called something with an S. Scrying. Oh, no, no, no. Scry scrying scrying's a bit different. Um, 
scrying is basically looking into a, a scrying mirror or a, a scrying bowl that's filled with water um, and not seeing yourself or seeing a doppelganger, but seeing future events. Um, and, not, and not actually, not necessarily actually seeing the event as it is, but the the person doing the scrying um, interprets what uh, what they are seeing in the scrying device. So, like a TV, like they're looking at a TV, but it's a mirror. Or... Uh, kind of in a way, yeah. So, what's your final thoughts on doppelgangers? Real, not real? Um, you had to ask me that, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so in modern terminology, I would say that doppelgangers exist and are our genetic duplicates as far as. And that's the the less sinister version of it. That's really just the genetic pool. Correct. Okay. Um, as far as the mythological doppelgangers, there are so many different cultures that have a version of their doppelganger that I believe there has to be something that all of those cultures saw to make them uh, create, if you will, uh, these name or definition. Right. Um, But what they truly are, um, I really couldn't tell you, although you do really have me, um, interested to the point where I'm going to start doing some heavy research uh, in into the, the doppelganger phenomenon. Yeah, let's do another episode if you find more information. I know that there was a scientist in Germany that was studying the genetics of real-life doppelgangers, of people who lived and breathed and worked and had jobs and were real people and would meet their counterpart, like someone who looks just like them, that has the same mannerisms and everything of them and they were finding a connection via genetics like somehow some way there was a very very far and distant connection but there was a connection right as far as like a scientific research into like doppelgangers that you see at places like mission missouri state penitentiary or um, there's just so many stories of people seeing a doppelganger. Right. They're, they're well, real people. They're flat. They're not three-dimensional, but they're there. You see them just like you would a shadow person. Right. I don't know that. Yeah, those are the ones that really kind of freak me out. But keep this in mind as well. Uh, a few years back, uh, somebody had told me that they saw my exact double. And they said they the person looked exactly like me. Now, I'm adopted, and I still do not have any idea who my biological father is or that side of the family. So uh, there is a possibility that some of these doppelgangers are due to um, adoption and, right. not, and not knowing who um, our ancestors are, depending on, you know, how, how many years back or, or, or millennia back uh, the adoptions took place. Right. So. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. I, I think that in, like, the grand scheme of things, like, things that I would be afraid of, like, vampires or 
shadow people creep me out. Um, me as well. Know, I've never seen one, but I don't, I probably would prefer not to. Jingers is high on my list of being really creepy. Have you ever seen the Harry Potter movies? Well, yeah. So do you know what a Dementor looks like? Oh, no. Should I look that up? Oh, you can. Um, but I did see something up at Virginia City that looked just like a Dementor. Uh, people tell me that what I saw was a shadow figure. Um, but it was the creepiest thing I have ever seen, especially since it was jetting up the fire escape into my bedroom. So was it just like a, a fog? Is that what you call it? Like a, fo- a person-shaped fog? It, it was it was a very dark shadow that was very long, and it I, I it looked just like a Dementor from the Harry Potter movies. So like a shape to it. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's that's high on my list. That's high on my list. I almost think if I saw full body apparition walking down the stairs, knowing full well that was an apparition and it was going to like dissolve before it got to the bottom of the stairs would not scare me as much as seeing like one of those creepy shadow people that crawl on the floor. I completely agree. Like that's just almost like the movie with ghost with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Where like they come out of the ground and like slither and no. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, okay, ghosts, we know that they are just deceased humans. However, what one of these shadow figures or uh, uh, one of these flat, uh, if, if you want to call them that, flat doppelgangers um, or something like what I saw that uh, was literally flying um, up a, a fire escape. Yeah, that is like, what the heck was that? It just feels more evil. It feels more sinister. I mean, exactly. And I don't know what other word to use. Like the word sinister just to me kind of embodies exactly what I'm thinking, something more sinister, something without our control that can maybe harm us or exactly in some way. So yeah, doppelgangers are big. Thanks so much for this. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for putting putting me on the trail. (laughs) Yeah. When you do a big speech about doppelgangers, you'll have to invite me. I will definitely. Um, I can almost guarantee that uh, this will be, um, (laughs) uh, a talk I will give at uh, the next Paracon. So. (laughs) Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Then you definitely have to invite me. Yeah, I most certainly will. Okay. And then, um, to get your books, they can go on Amazon and basically search Brian Clune. Yep. Just, just type my name into Amazon and my books will come up. Uh, even the one that hasn't been released yet is uh, up on Amazon. Um, but don't hold your breath on when it might actually come out. That sounds bad, but yeah, well, I mean, it, this happens sometimes when you're writing books, especially uh, coming out of COVID. Isn't it even like a little bit weirder? Like things are behind and. Um, you know, with, with my one publisher, no, they, they've been absolutely fantastic uh, okay. through, through COVID. Uh, the only problem I had was being able to do research, going places and getting pictures and talking to people. That was the biggest challenge. It was hard, right? But the publishing was, was just like always. Do you have a website people can go to? Yes, BrianClune.com. Make it a little bit harder than that. Um, I'm sorry. I, I'll, I'll try and make it a lot longer next time. <laughs> um, and one thing that people might find interesting is if you go to my blog, I only have, I think, five up right now because it's relatively new. Um, I write under the name Paratraveler, 
And I have uh, blogs on there designed for people to have their own paranormal weekends um, at different towns. So in, um, say, Virginia City, I tell you, the hotels to stay in that are haunted, things to do uh, in Virginia City that are haunted, places to eat that are haunted. Uh, so you can have your own fun paranormal weekend without having to worry about joining groups and tours and everything else. What an excellent idea. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Okay, one last question. Most haunted location you've ever been to? Ever. Uh, a place that no longer exists, unfortunately. Uh, that would be Wolf Manor. But second would be Alcatraz. So I highly recommend everybody take the night tour of Alcatraz and see what transpired. The activity there was was off the chart. Yeah, I want to. I I have not. Every time I've been to San Francisco, Alcatraz has been closed for one reason or another. Oh, no, you have to do it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Finding your doppelganger at a restaurant or party might be fun in games. You snap a pic, show it off on social media, but would you feel the same way if you came across them in a dark alley, alone, at night? Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so be sure to like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode, links to our Patreon page, and all of our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. Remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.